You are listening to the AOTA podcast. Here is your host, Matt Brandenburg. All right. Today, I am joined by Maura P. Bushell, the chairperson of the Volunteer Leadership Development Committee, or VLDC, and a school system practitioner in suburban Chicago. Maura has expertise in nonprofit volunteer recruitment, engagement, and leadership, and has served in various roles for the American Occupational Therapy Association, the Illinois Occupational Therapy Association, and other nonprofit organizations. Maura, thank you so much for joining us and being on the show today. Ah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And I feel like I have so much to learn from you and really appreciate you taking the time to share some of your knowledge and expertise with uh, me and the listeners. Um, To start us off, could you tell me about your current practice and how you really became interested in working in school systems? Sure. Um, So I currently work um, in a K to eight school district. Um, I work specifically in an early childhood and kindergarten building, um, which is a little bit of a unique setup um, that way. Um, So I get to spend all day with a very active three to six year olds um, who are super fun. um, And I get to use play as one of my main modes of intervention, which is always super fun. Um, How I became interested in school system practice. So I am the daughter of two teachers. Um, I am also married to a teacher. Um, Education has always been um, an important part of my life um, and an an important part of kind of everything I've done. Um, And when I went to become an occupational therapist, I always kind of knew I wanted to work in schools. Um, So I wanted to combine... um, occupational therapy practice with education um, to really meet um, the needs of all of our students. That is that is beautiful. Um, and it, you've been surrounded by educators your whole life, it sounds like. Yes, entire life. All teachers, teachers, and more teachers. There you go. Really the, the backbone of America, some would say. Yes, for sure. We're going to touch on some of your experience within the school system, but also um, highlighting volunteerism um, and how that can lead to uh, new experiences and potential leadership and new opportunities in practice. Um, Can you introduce us to what the Volunteer Leadership Development Committee is? and what you do as the chairperson of the committee. Sure. Um, So the VLDC um, is the committee within AOTA um, that's in charge of elections um, and appointments for volunteers within the governance structure. So all of the um, positions that are volunteer-based that are within governance, so everything that's specifically mentioned in our bylaws, basically, um, falls under the auspices of the VLDC. So I, as chairperson... Um, help organize our committee um, in regards to um, when we're getting ready to enter our election or appointment cycles. Um, I am also kind of in charge of looking at all of our structures um, and processes and um, spearheading the development of new ones, which I know we'll be talking about a little bit later. Um, But it's also um, my role as the chairperson to listen um, and talk to members and talk to potential volunteers um, and helping them find possible fits um, within the association and volunteer roles that they would like to pursue. 
It's really such an important function that the committee plays um, and you do it so well. How did you first get involved as a volunteer at AOTA and how did your kind of role change and evolve over time? Sure. So um, my first uh, volunteer role within AOTA was actually on the VLDC. So um, I served for three years on the committee before I ran for chair. Um, so that's kind of how I started at AOTA. I got a little bit of a glimpse into pieces of it as I was an emerging leader back in 2015, I believe. Um, but um, I think that my first real volunteerism within the association was actually on the VLDC. Um, but I came into the association with a lot of other different experiences, which I do think helped um, get me going quickly with my role within the VLDC. I'm, I love that. And what you mentioned is a, a really valuable point that every volunteer within AOTA brings kind of a new perspective and new experiences and new ways to apply um, what they've gained to improve the organization as a whole and provide resources for other practitioners throughout the entire country. Um, how would you say that being a volunteer has impacted your own personal practice? Um, I think for me and thinking about um, my role within the VLDC, but also um, as a COP facilitator um, and then also a COP member is being able to know who I can go to to ask questions and then also knowing where I can get information that I need um, in order to advance my own practice. So, for example, um, we were looking at um, within my team at school kind of some evidence-based practice, community of practice, uh, professional learning committee, uh, community setups. And I knew that the association had someone who <laughs> was really in charge of um, that evidence-based practice application specifically in schools. And I was able to kind of tap into that because of my knowledge of AOTA itself. So I think for me, it's the networking as well. Um, and all of the people that I've met, um, I have learned from all of them about different things. And it may not be, oh, which specific intervention is best for this, this piece, but it's the, they did a very good job um, managing this experience that they told me about. How can I take a little bit of their um, ability to manage that and take that into my practice. So it's a little bit of everything, um, but I do think I'm a better practitioner because of all of the volunteer opportunities that I've had. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a, a wonderful example of how a community of practice and, and your experience being a facilitator and member of a community practice leads to that network and establishing kind of a community of practitioners. Even if you're alone in your school district, you feel supported and you feel like there's a place to go to um, to get new ideas, to get new perspectives on issues and to apply evidence based and, and tried and true methods into what you do. Um, that's really wonderful. Uh, there's another piece of volunteerism and how it kind of can lead to new opportunities and chances to be a leader practitioner. How would you say volunteerism really supports growth into leadership roles? Um, I think there is a natural progression there. 
Um, I think one important thing I would say to anyone listening is leadership is not a title. And so I think thinking of leadership in a broad context um, is really critical because I think that's where the the truth is um, and the progress that you can make and the things you can learn as a volunteer supporting growth and leadership. Um, I think in looking at my leadership trajectory and kind of what I've learned along the way, there's some of the obvious like group skills and time management and project management. But there's also some of that um, yearning for more and finding out the things that maybe I'm not so good at in having dealt with volunteer situations. And then that allowing me to then take the time to have some professional development on my ends, which then applies to my practice or then applies to other leadership roles um, that I would have. Um, I can honestly say that a lot of the the tips and tricks that I use within my AOTA roles are actually things I have learned in my other nonprofit volunteer experiences. Um, so there's a lot of uh, translational and a lot of relevant experiences that can be applied across settings and across professions um, that we all bring to the table when we're thinking about volunteerism. Um, and I think with especially within the occupational therapy community, there is such a broad range of experiences that our members bring to the association. And I think bringing all of those in, applying that within specific volunteer roles you have within the association, and then then circumventing that back out to your practice or other roles you have is this really nice growth trajectory um, that will help the association and our profession continue to grow into the future. But that really paints a, a beautiful picture of what volunteerism is and how leadership plays into it. I love how you said leadership is not a title. It's more broad and it's more so listening and being part of a team um, and really problem solving and being creative into how to adapt and, and come up with solutions together and facilitate coming up and applying solutions. Um, how, how have you personally used kind of those leaderships, uh, leadership skills at the schools you work in? Um, I would say I use them quite often. Um, so uh, within my current team, I would say um, I definitely use a lot of that um, group group norming, um, as well as um, some interprofessional practice skills that I've learned and working in groups volunteering to my school setting. Because of the work that we do in the schools, it's very team-based. Um, and everyone is coming to the table with a very different perspective. And all of us have valued perspectives, but we also have to walk away from the table having one voice so that we're all working towards the same goal. And so that for me has been something I use all the time um, in my leadership as well as within the school setting and how to kind of get everyone at least on the same page so we all agree that this is the best course of action and how we're moving forward. I think with my professional colleagues as well, um, working and pushing our team to look more critically at their own practice um, as well as using more evidence-based practice and pulling resources that I've gained and learned about as a volunteer within my teams. 
But I think the biggest thing that I have learned in working with my school teams that I've learned as a volunteer is a little bit of how to balance the leading from the front and leading from beside. So it's not necessarily leading from behind because that implies that you're pushing, but that you're leading from beside and you're walking alongside the people that you're quote unquote leading Um, and kind of trying to figure out how to balance that within those teams um, and in which situations does it make sense to lead from the front um, or when times does it make sense to lead for lead more from beside so that you're supporting your teams and colleagues alongside them so that they can build their own capacity um, to start leading from the front. Absolutely. Moira, you are sharing already so many just valuable life lessons. I love this um, this idea of leading from beside and how effective that can be. Um, and I, I love how you're able to use your experience as a volunteer to really learn how to unite a voice and a vision of an interprofessional team towards a goal. That is such an important skill. And I think it's something that volunteers with AOTA can learn and gain and apply to their own practice. And hopefully through involvement with the Volunteer Leadership Development Committee, that's something that can occur. Um, and I'd, I'd love to ask some more specifics about this committee. To, to start off, can you kind of describe the difference between what an elected and appointed volunteer role and a non-elected, non-appointed volunteer role within AOTA is and kind of how that's all organized? Sure. So there are um, many roles that fall under each of these categories. Um, So our elected roles are the ones um, that we vote for. Um, Those tend to be um, chairpersons of committees, um, anything related to the board of directors, um, anything related to the representative assembly. Those are kind of the big um, elected positions. Um, And uh, Nomination windows are typically open for those um, in October. Um, Our appointed volunteer roles are those roles that support the elected ones. So it'll be any committee member, um, all of our um, special interest section members, um, as well as um, some other um, ad hoc committees as well. Um, There are much, much more appointed roles um, than elected ones. Most committees within the association, and I wish I knew how many off the top of my head there were, but I would say there's probably at least 20 to 25, have about eight to 10 members. So you can kind of get a good idea of how many positions um, might be open every cycle. Um, All of our um, appointed roles have, um, most of them are three-year terms. Um, Same with um, elected roles. So you're looking at three years um, terms. Our non-elected, non-appointment roles um, will fall under the um, volunteer um, center on community. Those are very short-term project-oriented volunteer positions um, that if you are super interested in editing articles for OT practice, for example, there will be a call and you can apply and you can do it. It's a very short-term opportunity. Um, sometimes it's um, they're looking for members of focus groups for something and they'll post it there as well. Um, so those are much shorter. It could be a month. It could be a week. 
um, opportunities. So within the association, there's lots of different levels of um, volunteering and commitment. um, And there is definitely a fit for everyone. I love that there's flexibility in the type and and commitment that comes along with these roles, options to kind of get your feet wet or, or sign up for a, a long, more long-term commitment. Um, there is a lot that goes into becoming a volunteer and learning how to work as a part of uh, one of these committees and as a team. Um, can you talk to us about the volunteer skills and competencies framework? What really motivated you to create this and and how does it help potential volunteers? Sure. So I will say um, the framework for it was a little bit of my brainchild, but the work was our entire committee. So I will plug our wonderful VLDC members for helping with this. So um, in my time as a VLDC member, Um, One of the things I noticed is that um, the way in which the kind of application was written, as well as the requirements for positions, which are listed listed in the standard operating procedure manual um, that is approved by the board, um, was not allowing for a very diverse pool of applicants. Many of the positions had arbitrary X number of years of service or X number of years of OT volunteerism listed as a requirement. And what we were finding as a, as a committee is that that wasn't always necessarily necessary to complete the position. Um, I kind of always use myself as an example because I think it's kind of a good fit um, in my quote unquote past life as occupational therapy as a second Um, career for me. I worked um, in higher education, um, supporting student organizations, um, as well as fraternities and sororities. So my whole background is in nonprofit membership organizations that function under governance. But I was not able to apply to the VLDC until I had been a practitioner for at least three years. So I had 10 plus years of experience in volunteer leadership and using these models, but I wasn't eligible for this committee because I wasn't yet a practitioner for three years. And so the kind of um, the big jump for us was to remove a lot of those artificial barriers um, from our process to get the right people through the door. And the other big change for us is that we're really looking at fit. So we're not looking at necessarily um, do does Um, At this time, you need a minimum. But what does that specific committee need right now? What is their gaps in learning? What is their gap in knowledge base? And how can our volunteers fit, fit within that piece? And so we're trying to find the best fit for every single person that applies for a position. Um, and we wor- will work really hard to find that for you. So the volunteer skills and competency framework is a different way to think about Um, what our volunteers need for specific roles. So all of the governance governance committees have um, kind of a a chart um, and they have let us know what the minimum competencies are for their um, committee. And then we, the VLDC members, will read over applications um, as well as conduct interviews 
to see if those people meet those competencies. So it's more about something that um, our practitioners and academicians and all of our occupational therapy practitioners can know exactly what the committee is looking for, um, rather than a method that was completely controlled by committee chairs before. Um, and there wasn't a lot of transparency in the process. So I would say what motivated us it was, is to create a transparent, attainable process for our members um, so that they could understand and want to participate in the process that removed some artificial barriers um, that um, so that we can increase the diversity of our volunteer pool. I love that. I love that. I think one hang up for a lot of practitioners when they want to volunteer or want to get involved is kind of not knowing where or how um, their own experience and their own competencies could be used. Um, but it seems like using this framework, they can kind of get a snapshot of, oh, like this committee does X, Y, or Z. And I think that really lines up with you know, my abilities. Um, how, how do you really hope practitioners use the leadership competencies and the, this matrix and, and glossary that, that you've um, come up with with the team? I think, it, I think it's exactly what you just said. Um, I think it's making the process easier to understand and allowing practitioners to do a little bit of self-reflection on the things that they are really good at um, and trying to match the things that they're really good at with committees that need those things. And so it's looking at, um, you know, a committee, for example, that really needs people that are very strategic. Now, the thing is, is that we necessarily can't have eight strategic thinkers if we don't have any doers. And so there's always going to be a balance between who is at the table and looking at also every year as we come through this process, our goal is that every committee will be able to also identify where their gaps are. And then up front, when we're looking for applicants, we can be very strategic in saying, this is what this committee is looking for, Right. And so I think it also then creates a system where if a person doesn't doesn't meet the things the committee is looking for, it's not as if they're not a good fit or they wouldn't be good for the role at some point, but maybe the time is not right now. But what can we what can our our committee do to help them find the, the best fit for right now? And so one of our big goals is that practitioners using this can do some of that self-identification. But also, we as a committee are really dedicated to trying to find places for people who want to volunteer. And so if you have applied and we think you'd be a good fit somewhere else, we've already done this. We move people around and we let them know about other opportunities. Um, so we're not losing people in the shuffle um, of the application process. So our hope with this matrix and glossary is that it's going to be an evolving evolving and that it might change year to year a little bit based on the needs of the committee, but that it's a document that members know where it is and they use um, for their own professional learning, but also for transparency of the process. 
Absolutely. And I love the way the, the matrix and glossary are set up. It's easy to, to digest and, and get a snapshot when, when you look at it on AOTA.org. Um, but you can also look more in depth and uh, really get a better idea of um, where your efforts and volunteerism uh, could be most useful um, and be most beneficial for yourself. I think recently there's been a lot of opportunities for occupational therapy to really enlarge its scope, become involved in more community health initiatives, more leadership positions. And I really think volunteerism can help continue to do that. And practitioners can volunteer on a team to gain the skills that they need to go out in their own communities and grow awareness of the impact OT can make. Um, is there kind of a case study or a personal example where you've seen volunteerism have this impact? I would say, you know, most of what happens within the association comes from volunteers. So AOTA is a membership organization, but it's a volunteer governance organization. And so when you think about things that are happening you know, you think about um, practice issues and you think about um, uh, practice resources and you think about, um, you know, getting more access for Medicare and Medicaid. Yes, there's staff that support all of those things, but a lot of the push comes from volunteers who are assisting behind the scenes. And so, in order for the association to be strong, the volunteers have to be strong because the AOTA staff works diligently and hard, but there are probably four to five times as many volunteers within the current structure than there are staff persons. And so we need the volunteers to make the changes and to grow the practice and to do all of the things that you mentioned, the staff can't do it by themselves. So I don't have a specific example or case study um, because it's happening every day. Yeah, I, I really do love that. And it's such a, a testament to how you know each of us became a, an OT practitioner for a reason. And we can grow you know the impact that we have uh, by looking at the profession as a whole and trying to to learn and volunteer together. Um, I, I want to ask you, Maura, what, what would you say to practitioners who say, you know, volunteering seems nice, I'm interested, it's crossed my mind, but I honestly don't have the time to get involved and in trying to balance, you know, my day-to-day -day as a practitioner with an additional volunteer role. Um, what, what could you say to those practitioners? I would say that there are opportunities across the spectrum that um, might be a good fit and might not require as much time as they think. Um, when I have spoken to practitioners who have said the same thing, a lot of what I hear is they think volunteering is another full-time job and they have to do this and this. And I said, well, what are you looking for? Right? And so what I have found is if we can find the right fit that matches what the practitioner is looking for, the time the time constraint often goes away. Because if it's something they're passionate about and something you really enjoy doing and something that's a bucket filler, then you find the time. So 
because of the new um, volunteer center on community, there's a lot more opportunities for those smaller micro volunteering opportunities. And I think those are helpful to get um, newer volunteers in the door who are a little bit afraid of the longer um, appointment windows of, you know, two to three years. Um, And that gets them in the door. And then once they've uh, completed a few of these, they're like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Um, And so that's kind of how I've always started that conversation um, because we all know the importance of volunteering and the linking of volunteer engagement to membership engagement um, and professional engagement. So the question always is, okay, the time is not, you think the time is not there, but what are you interested in? Like, why would you even think that you might want to do it? And then when you find the right fit, that time barrier seems to just disappear. Wow. I, I love that. Um, it, it's kind of a new perspective, a new way to look at volunteering. Don't um, volunteer just for the sake of volunteering, but really to find something that fills your own bucket, something that can help you personally gain skills and experience that you can apply to grow your own scope and to you know take on a new um, responsibility in, in your own career path. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really love that. Um, what advice would you give to students or practitioners to help them decide where to focus their volunteer efforts so that they can uh, kind of experience some of that? Sure. Um, I think the big thing for me is to continuing to look for opportunities that are the right fit for you. Um, whether that be at AOTA or your state association, I guarantee you your state association is looking for people to help with all of the things. Um, or something more local. Um, I think you need to try to find something that you're passionate about um, because that passion is going to come through in your application, in your interview, if you're doing it with the AOTA. Um, But I think it'll also help you with your personal engagement. And so if you're thinking about your professional development journey or your professional journey um, or some special skills that you have, where is going to be the best place to use those at this point in time. Um, I try to think about volunteerism as a little bit of give and a little bit of get, right? And so what am I giving to the organization, but what am I also going to get back um, from that opportunity? Um, So thinking about things that you can bring to the table, but also um, creating opportunities and finding opportunities that you will learn something from. Um, as well to kind of keep you focused and engaged. Um, But all the opportunities um, that are open are always on the AOTA volunteer um, webpage. Um, So the election window is in October. The appointment um, application window will be right after election closes. So late February, early March, that's typically the timeline. Um, And the volunteer center is always open. But the VLDC is all also always open to having conversations with any member. I've connected with a couple over the past week or so, just having conversations um, about what what opportunities they might want um, and what what they're looking for, so that we can kind of demystify this process to make, bring more people in. I love that so much. You've you've mentioned uh, some of these resources throughout our conversation, um, including that volunteer center, community of practice, the VLDC. What um, additional resources would you recommend to listeners who 
want to learn more about volunteering and, and what we've been discussing. Sure. Um, so you did mention the um, skills and competencies framework. There was an article um, in OT practice last February that goes into a little more detail on it. Um, and that's a good place to kind of start to take a peek. Um, looking at the governance structure um, of the association is also really helpful to get a bigger, bigger picture. Um, that is also available on the website. Um and if you just want to learn more and you have no idea where to start, that's totally fine too. Just send a, an email to vldc at aota.org um, and someone will direct you in the right direction um, to get you started on your journey. I love that so much. Really, if whatever your knowledge or interest with volunteering is, there is there is a jumping off point somewhere. Um, and hopefully this helps clarify where uh, listeners can go to um, to see those opportunities. Um, are there any other resources or anything else about the skills and competencies that you'd like to highlight for our listeners right now? Um, I think, uh, what I would say is that I truly believe that every single one of our members or non-members, if they'd like to come back, um, can provide something valuable to the association as a volunteer. Um, I, it makes me sad sometimes to think that people say that I don't have what it takes. And I truly believe every single person has something that they can give, um, some, some thing that's unique to them an experience unique to them, a skill that's unique to them, um, how they apply that skill, um, that would give value, um, to some committee project, anything within the association. Um, so don't think that you can't don't think because you're, you're, um, only, only a X, Y, Z that you can't participate. Um, we're looking for, um, practitioners across the spectrum. We're looking for OTAs specifically. Um, we're looking for practitioners. We're looking for active missions. We're looking from people from the North, South, East, West. Um, we're looking for everything. So, um, I would, I would, the best piece of advice is don't let don't let any perceived barriers stop you from trying. Um, our committee is doing everything we possibly can to try to remove some of those barriers um, so that they are no longer perceived to be there um, because we're really trying to create an open, um, as open a process as possible. So um, the one piece of, you know, thing that I would want to say about this is just give it a, give it a try. Um, you'll only, you won't know until you try. I love that. You won't know until you try. And more, I, I want to thank you for the work you're doing because in general, the field of occupational therapy is stronger when we're all together. And I love how your work is to take away some of the barriers that are stopping us from being together and uh, working more together and facilitating that, uh, I think, can be extremely impactful. Um, you've already shared so much valuable advice and knowledge with us today, but we end every show with the golden nugget segment. And I have to ask you, Maura, if there was just one piece of advice or additional knowledge that you could share with our listeners, what would you say? Oh, um, I think I would say trust yourself. Um, I think there's a lot of times where um, doubts creep or we comparison 
shop against others, or we um, create limiting beliefs for ourselves. Um, And I think as practitioners, we need to kind of model the way and we need to trust that we have what it takes to do the things that we would like to do um, and use um, kind of actual facts to determine if we don't. And most of the time we have what it takes or we know how to get what we need to make it happen. So I would say, trust yourself. I love that. That is such a wonderful message. We all have that inner saboteur um, trying to tell us that we can't get something done. Uh, But I love that advice to trust yourself, take those opportunities, put yourself out there. And if you're listening to this, you have so much to offer. Um, And Mora can help you know where to start. If you any of this resonated with you and you have questions, um, I sincerely say either find me on any of the socials you can find me or um, send us an email at VLDC at AOTA.org and we will help you figure out your path. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Moira. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the AOTA podcast. Tune in again next time.